high as king over all. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Would you turn and shake somebody's hand nearby and smile at them tell them I'm really glad I came tonight. Would you do that? Tell them I'm really glad I came tonight. Praise God, praise God. Amen. I'm going to let you take a seat for just a moment. We're going to introduce our speaker. We welcome all of you in Jesus' mighty name tonight, and thank you for being in the house of God. Thank you, Brother Perez, for doing such a good job of letting the Lord have his way. That was led of the Holy Ghost. I'm proud of you for it. That was wonderful. I'm glad, glad to be here tonight and excited and thrilled personally to be here. The Tri-State District Rally at Arthur is always a high point in my year. I've been coming here since uh, the, the services were in the old hotel building 30, 35 years ago, and I still remember that. I preached here one night. Praise God. <laughs> I preached here several times, but had one memorable night over there in that hotel. That was just something else. What a great time. We always, always love coming to Arthur and worshiping with you folks. The music is always anointed and done with excellence. I think we owe these folks wherever they went to. I think we owe them a great hand tonight. They poured their hearts out in worship, in song and in worship. And we honor you tonight. I also want to say to the folks upstairs, you're doing a good job of mixing everything. They're just doing great up there and really proud of them doing a great job. <clears throat> I've been asked to introduce our speaker tonight. And he is a man that I have come to know well. About four or five years ago, Bishop Carpenter asked all the uh, evangelists to come to Knoxville for the GMC uh, conference, and uh, so all the evangelists came, and then Brother Carpenter has got all of these evangelists, now what am I going to do with them? You know, you caught, you chased the bear, and then you caught him, and uh, so Brother Carpenter called, and he was calling around the district and asking to have uh, preachers, if they would have uh, some of the evangelists come and preach for them. So Brother Carpenter asked me if I would have an evangelist. I said, certainly. And he sent me Brother Blake and Sister Bethany Miller. And they preached, and I thought, well, those are good kids. I hope they do all right, you know. <laughs> but as the years went by, I got to know him a little bit better. And now he's assistant pastor at our church, and, and we just love these folks dearly. Peter said, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, to knowledge brotherly kindness, and so on. I want to tell you, what Blake does, he does with excellence. He does it with diligence. He gives all diligence, and he's got something from the Lord tonight. Would you stand? He's a man who gives all diligence, and he's got something to add to this service tonight. And I know he's going to add something to your walk with God through the preaching of the Word. And I want to say this to our district. As the years go by, Blake Miller is going to have something good to add to our district. And we are mighty proud of him, and we're thankful to have him in our district. And we're excited to hear the Word of the Lord tonight. Would you welcome Blake Miller? Praise God. Give him a good hand in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? He's worthy. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see every single person here tonight. I, 
I am honored and I give honor to Brother and Sister Miracle and thank them so much for having me and, and asking me to be here. And I told them before church, I said, I see, I see why you asked me to preach. Everybody else went to Youth Congress and I was the only one left. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I am extremely honored and blessed to be here tonight. And I give honor to all these great men uh, of God. I give honor to my pastor, Pastor and Sister Triplett, and thank them so much for their kindness. And, and uh, I can honestly say I wouldn't be here tonight without them. And so I'm, I'm thankful to be here. And to all my friends, Brother Perez did a phenomenal job leading. I thank you and love you, my brother. And uh, excited about rally next next month in Cleveland, Tennessee, Brother Alex Fallon. That is that is awesome. Started this church in January of this year and, and already doing a rally. I think that's phenomenal. And uh, I give honor to to my dear friend, Brother Hozak. I got a text from him earlier today saying he was praying for me tonight. And uh, I'm so excited to be a part of one of the greatest districts in the ALJC. <laughs> Amen. We have such great men in our district, especially in our section. And, uh, and I give honor to, to EBAC, to all, all our members that are here tonight. Amen. Thank you all for coming out and showing support. And lastly, and then I, I, I'll, I'll move on, I, uh, I want to give honor to my wife and thank her for all that she does. And um, <laughs> My beautiful family, my wife, I, I give honor to them and thank her for all that she does. You hear the saying quite often, behind every good man is a great woman. I don't consider myself necessarily a good man, but that is a very great woman there. And so I give honor and I love her very, very much. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want to turn to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Brother Miracle approached me at general conference here about preaching this rally. And, and honestly, there, there are times I evangelized for years. And so as far as how I write messages, prepare messages, come up with what I'm going to preach, it always varies. But um, I'd had a message that I had been working on for months and had no idea why. It was coming to me in little pieces here and pieces there. And, and, and most of my messages I don't take near that long to develop. But when he asked me to preach, I walked away from him and I knew exactly what I was supposed to preach. I don't know why, but I do know that there is somebody here that needs to hear what God has to say tonight. And I hope, I hope we will receive it. Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, said, And they came over into the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had often, that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjourn thee by God that thou torment me not. 
For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and they see him with, with that, see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell upon him that was possessed of the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. Tonight, for, for just a little while, and I realize the time, and I realize we, we've already had a move of God. But tonight, for just a little bit, I want to talk about domesticated demons. Domesticated demons. If one more time, if we could set our Bibles down and lift our hands, I want to ask for us to ask the Lord to prepare our hearts for His Word. Dear God, we thank You for meeting us here tonight. God, I thank you for your presence that is here. God, for what you're already doing in this place. God, I pray that you would touch me, that you would place a fresh anointing, God. God, I just want to deliver your word the way you would have me deliver it, God. God, I want to be a willing vessel for you to pour your spirit and your word out of. God, use me tonight, God, to communicate, God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive your word tonight, to apply it to our lives, to live this truth. And we'll give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 You may be seated tonight. I, I, I feel at home tonight, and, and that can be dangerous at times. And uh, if it's all right, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to preach like I'm at home. Is that all right? Are, are are there? Are, I'm going. I'm going to get you involved tonight. Are there any animal lovers in the house tonight? Animal lovers. My goodness. What? I didn't think he'd raise his hand. He don't love anything in the trees or forest. You know, those conservation stuff. So, <laughs> animal lovers. All right. I. I. I I'm an animal lover. I'm personally a member of the PETA, uh, people eating tasty animals, and uh, so I can relate. I, I think there's there's a place for all of God's animals. Right next to the mashed potatoes and gravy, and uh, <laughs> now I, I I grew up on a farm and, and I, I I do like animals. Um, there is there is one animal, however I, I I'm not very fond of and and Scripture tells us to to train up a child in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. Tessa, can you come here for a second? Can you come up here? Nope, Tessa, hold on, sorry, <laughs> not you. But. Come here, Tessa. All right, let me ask you, do you like cats? No. Why not? Because they scratch and bite. That's right. Go sit back now. Thank you. We don't like cats because they scratch and bite. If there's any animal I don't like, it's it's cats. All other animals are all right. I don't like cats. And uh, and, and now it got real quiet because I just offended half the people in the church. <laughs> I've learned very quickly. You, you, can, you can say anything you want to. You won't offend people in church. But if you mention cats and there's cat lovers, 
you've lost them all. <laughs> but some animal lovers let their pet their pets sleep with them. Do any of you, any of you have pets that sleep with you in your bed? Oh my goodness, there are some of you here. Anyways, <laughs> but you know, and and I get it. Dogs and cats and some of these animals that that sleep, and I've even heard of people having their rabbits sleep with them at night. And I'm like, man, you wake up and there's pellets all over the bed. That that, that ain't gonna happen. But have any of you ever heard of anyone sleeping with a python? There's one. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to tell you, and this, this, was, this was on the news. There was a woman. I'm going to read, read an article. There was a woman who was sleeping with her pet python every single night. There's a picture. I got a picture of this python. That is her python on her bed. That is this woman, she, she was sleeping with her pet python every single night. And as you might imagine, it turns out, that wasn't the best choice for a bedmate. Every single evening, the woman would sleep with her pet python sprawled on her body. And when she'd sleep on her stomach, her beloved python would spread out its body from her head to her toes. It was a bonding moment that she cherished, until, which she cherished with her snake, until she noticed that something was wrong. After weeks of sleeping with the woman in her, after weeks of sleeping with the woman in her bed, the python suddenly stopped eating. She started to grow concerned, and so she took her snake to the veterinarian to see why it was refusing mealtimes that it normally used to love. The seven-foot python was starving itself. And when the vet asked about the snake's daily routine, they were stunned to hear about its sleeping habits. After hearing that the woman and the python sleep together every evening, the vet was completely taken aback, as you could imagine. <laughs> so... They asked the woman if the snake sprawls out along her body, stretches out, sprawls all the way from the length of her body, and then, and then curls up around her at times. And she said, yes, this is exactly what he does. So the vet began to explain to the woman that the snake was actually sizing her up and that every time the snake was sprawling itself along her body, that it was actually a bit of rehearsal of sorts because it was essentially practicing for its next big meal. The veterinarian informed the woman that the snake wasn't eating because it was preparing itself for a giant feast, her. It turns out that the snake was patiently waiting until the perfect time for it to snatch up its prey, its next big course, and in this case, its owner. In more recent news, isn't that crazy? In more recent news, in March of this year, there was a man killed by his pet lion. He kept it in his home for breeding purposes, and he was in, in, the, in the lion's cage. And uh, his name was Michael Prezik. He lives in, or lived in Eastrich, Czech, town of Zadechov. His body was found by his father around 7 a.m. In a, in a, one morning, like I said, this past March. His father told local media that the door was locked from the inside. Prezik was 34 years old. He had two lions. He used them for breeding. And... Uh, What's crazy? What's crazy? Listen to this. So I'm just kind of skipping through this article. But it was, it was told, in two, and he, he made the news in 2018 when a cyclist ran into him and his pet lion that he was walking around the block. He literally would take this lion, put it on a leash, and walk it around the block. Well, a bicyclist ran into his lion, and the lion attacked the bicyclist. And the police showed up and wrote it as a traffic incident. And left it at that. The man was hospitalized. 
the biker was hospitalized, but they wrote it up as nothing other than a, a just a, a traffic incident. But once again, this man obviously got a little too comfortable with his pets. This, this line, he had this line for years. This was not a new line. This was a line he had had for several years, walked this line, took care of this line, until one day he became the line's breakfast. Has anybody in here ever, ever had an exotic pet? Nobody. Oh, we got some. All right. What, what did you have? By? An alligator. That's awesome. That man had an alligator. I would walk an alligator around the block. Wouldn't that be cool? Ain't nobody going to mess with a man with an alligator. That, it just ain't going to happen. <laughs> you come walking up with a poodle, my alligator will eat your poodle. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, and, and it's, it's, I've always been one. I, I, I like cool pets. I've never had a unique pet. But when I was when I was in high school, actually the summer uh, before going into my senior year of high school, me and, and Zach Cam and I'll talk about him because he ain't here. But me and Zach Cam, we went we were in high school all, all together, and f- that that year, in beginning in spring, for whatever reason, we decided we was gonna catch us a deer. We've been deer hunters our whole life, and we just thought, man, it'd be awesome to have a deer. We could raise that thing up, feed it, give it all the stuff, grow a big rack, and then. Hang him on the wall. You know, it just like it just it made sense for some reason. You say, why would you do that? I don't know. It just seemed like a good idea at the time. We was young and dumb, and so we 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 spent for 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 months, no joke, months. We we were telling people, hey, if you see a baby deer, you call us, and people would people would call, hey, I just saw this baby deer. We jump in his truck, ninety miles an hour to wherever they saw this deer spotting at, and if we got there and the deer was there. He'd sling over in the ditch, and we'd bail out the windows, and we'd chase it. I mean, and you would think, well, did y'all ever catch one? Well, finally, finally, one day, this was on a Sunday, we had a, a young girl show up at our church that morning, and she came running up, running in the door, and she's like, hey, I saw a baby deer. It had been hit by a car. This is where it was at. You know, it was still alive out there, and we're like, I mean, this is five minutes before church starts, and we're like, oh, we don't have time. What are we going to do? And so we get to altar call, and, we're, you know, author, and, and me, it was me. And Zach, and so we're both playing instruments on the platform, and also his cousin Jace, and he was the drummer. I was playing bass, and Zach was playing guitar. Service ends, the three of us are bailing out of church. We're, we're trying to get out of our suit coats on the way to his truck, hop in the truck, fly over there, deer's still there. So Jace, his cousin, he's riding in the back of the truck so we can get a quick, quick getaway because we, we've tried everything trying to sneak up on these deer. So we pull up, Jace jumps out, runs across these people yard. This deer's limping, been hit tackles it, tackles it and wraps it up like a python. He had both legs, both arms locked up on that deer. And so we went and we caught it, drug it back, threw it in the back of the truck, and Jace rode all the way back to the church holding on to that deer. We get back, we don't know what we're going to do with it. We just caught it. You know, it's one of those things, you caught it and run it home, what are you gonna, now you're going, what you going to do with it? And uh, so we get back and, and, and we, we pull down back behind the church is where Zach's grandfather and then also our youth pastor, they live down there behind the church we pull down there and we walk back up and we're just like, we caught a deer. We did it. You know, we're walking around doing the victory march. We hear a gunshot. We walk back down. Our youth pastor walked out, saw it was wounded, and was like, it's wounded. We don't ain't no need in keeping that deer. And he shot it. <laughs> so after all that work, after all that all that time and months of trying, man, we were so mad. We were so mad. So I tell you what we did. When he ended up, he ended up wasn't long after that he ended up moving back to Indiana to help his father and so me and Zach were like we're gonna get him back for killing our deer so we went and we picked up a possum off the road dead possum 
put it in a box, wrapped it up, went and sat it on his front porch, and then we went back and we just kind of watched. Watched him carry it in his house, closed the door. Next thing you know, door blows open. He just comes running out and he's looking everywhere. And me and Zach just fly out of the parking lot. So we, we got him back. You know, but, was, you know, one of those things after, after we finally caught what we had been trying to catch for so long, you know, it was killed. It, we lost it in one, in one moment. You see, because there are some things in this world that are just not meant to be tamed. There are some things in this world that are not meant to be domesticated. And our opening text informed us that the people of the city of Gadara had tried to tame the man who lived in the tombs. They had tried to bind him with chains and fetters. And obviously on multiple occasions, this man, just he, he simply would not be controlled and when they were unsuccessful, they didn't necessarily dr- drive him away. They didn't drive him out into some wilderness. They just gave him a suitable place. They said, you know, they allowed him to live right there in the tombs. I mean, there were was, was some swine herders out there, right? Within, with, and they were able to see. They watched this whole thing happen with Jesus and this man. So they were, they were comfortable being around this man. And they gave him, if you will, this kind of this place to live. As long as he stayed right here in the tombs, they were okay with him being there. It was, it was almost a, a, his cage, if you will. You know, the funny thing about animals is you can, you can go and you can pick up a random stray. Anybody picked up a stray dog on the side of the road? I see people nodding their head. All right. Well, you go pick up a, stray, a random stray dog on the side of the road. You don't know that dog from any other dog. You don't know its history. You don't know why he was on the side of the road. You go and you pick him up because your kids are screaming about, look at that dog. We need to help him. You're going to take him home. You're just going to feed him. You know, once again, the kids go to bed. You take them back out, and you drop them off where you found them. You know, it, and, it, that's, and that's kind of our plan. That was my, that's my dad. That's the dad, my dad coming out of me. We, my mom is the animal lover. My dad could care less. And, and so, you know, we, we, they bring them home, and you, 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 maybe you feed them just because he looks hungry, he's starving. Maybe you give him a bath. And then it happens. One of your kids walk out, and they say, we'll name him Roscoe. And the rest is history. For the next 15 years, you know, immediately, immediately, right after that, you, you find yourself at Tractor Supply buying a bed that dog ain't never going to sleep in because he's going to sleep in your bed for the next 15 years. And uh, all because your kid gave that stray dog a name. You gave him a name, and from that day forward, that's your dog. Be careful what you give names to in your life. Because if you name it, you claim it. You take it home, it's yours. You see, sin is sin, and it don't need another name. You see, Roscoe already had a name before little Johnny gave him a new one. But sin doesn't need a new label. It doesn't need a sugar coating. You say, what, 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 do, what do you mean? Don't, don't give it a name. I mean, we used, we used to call murder, murder. But now we call it abortion. Now, now we call it choice. We took what used to be called once something else, and we, and we give it a cute little name. And why? Because it loses its intensity. You say murder, and people say, "Oh, no, don't, don't say that. That's too intense." Say abortion. Say, say, say choice. And all of a sudden, these things that that used to be named one thing, we we give it a cute name, trying to that it will lose its intensity. And now our entire country is divided over whether or not we should be allowed to murder babies before or after they're born. It used to be about wh- whether abortion was right, or, and now it's, it's how far along, how far, how far can you take it? 
Why? Because it's not murder. It's just abortion. Because we renamed something. We relabeled something. Homosexuality was once called perversion. But you call, you call somebody a pervert and see what happens. They're going to get mad. Why? Because that's an intense word. People don't want to be called that. No, no, no. I'm, I'm a homosexual. That's, that's a different phrase. That, that's a good name. That, you see what I'm saying? All of a sudden, you know, because you know, we know people, they didn't choose to be that way. They were, they were born that way. And so we've given it a label. But it's perversion, plain and simple. Scripture doesn't change. Words doesn't change. And sin doesn't change. You can give it a new label. You can give it a new name. But it's still sin. And the book still says it's sin. And we're still going to be judged by our sins. Adultery is now called an, an open relationship. That's garbage. That's garbage. It's still sin. Once again, we know that God intended for one man and one woman. There's not, how, how many genders do they say there are these days? You might know off the top of your head. How many? Ten? There, there's, there's so many different genders. I'm sorry, that in this book, God created male and female. Yet, yet we try to give it names, and we, and we try to make it seem cute, and all of a sudden it's, you see, fornication is now called friend with benefits. We, we say, oh, no, 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 that's not, no, that's not, that's not fornication. That, that, no, 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 you, you don't understand. No, 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 listen to me. If, it, if the word sex is in it and you ain't married, it ain't for you. <laughs> Period. Sexting, casual sex, sexy, sexual, if it's got that word sex in it, it's not for you. Covenant is, is now called the American dream. Pride is now called strong self-confidence. Rebellion is called freedom. And idolatry is now called fandom. And idols are called stars. But you see, the problem is, is you can't contain, control, or tame demons. You can give it a sweet name, and you can give it its own little place to live, but you can never contain the effects that that thing will have on your life. Sooner or later, things are going to get out of hand. And be sure your sins will find you out because you can't tame demons. Please hear me tonight. And the things that you're trying to control will eventually control you because some things are just not meant to be tamed in this life. Demons aren't meant to be domesticated. Let, let me define and clarify what a demon is right here so there's no confusion. A demon is an evil spirit, especially one thought to possess a person or act as a tormentor in hell. You see, there are spirits in this world that want to kill you, and they're willing to do it slowly if that's what it takes. They'll let you think you're in control, knowing good and well what their intentions are the entire time. Because spirits, yes, they can be commanded, they can be rebuked, they can be cast out, but one thing they cannot be is tamed. They can't be domesticated because sometimes Jesus is the only answer. That sin you may be dabbling in cannot be contained. Covetousness cannot be contained. The more you long for what your neighbor has, the more you'll buy and the emptier you will feel. Pride and jealousy and envy can't be contained. We've got to make Jesus the center of our life. Pornography cannot be contained. You got to get that out of your life. You got to get connected with the Savior. You got to love him more than you love it. 
Worldly music will make you numb to the things of God and open to a carnal mindset, but it is a downward spiral, and you need to get that out of your life. Rebellion and compromise knows no bounds. You cannot rebel in one area of your life and think it won't leak into others. It's just a matter of time because these things can't be tamed. You can't domesticate these things. You have to get them out. You have to be delivered because you'll never get a name cute enough for them to lose their ferocity. It may not seem as intense, but the ferocity of these things are still there. Just like you see them in Scripture, just like you read about them in Scripture, the intensity and the ferocity of these demons and spirits are still there. The definition for tame, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is reduced from a state of native wildness, especially so as to be tractable and useful to humans. Or, or another definition is domesticated. You see, consider this. What if all those times the people of, of Gadara were trying to domesticate Legion was because they desired to use him? Or benefit from him in some way? That, that's the, I'm, I'm using the, the definition of the word tame. It's trying to, once again, it's trying to reduce from a state of native wildness, especially so to be useful to humans. Now, before, before you, you, you call me a you know, judge me here, let me, let me just let me read something here. Before you shut me down, realize that the book of Acts, chapter 16 and verse 16, records a, this, an example of this very thing. Paul delivers a damsel from the spirit of divination, and the Bible says that her masters were angry. Acts 16 and 16, it says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer. This is Paul, Silas, they're on their way to prayer. That a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, Paul turned and he cast a demon out of a woman. And our master said, the hope of our gains went with that spirit. All of our hope and all of our gains and all the things that we were putting all our time and our money and investing everything in just went with those demons that left that girl. Master said that the, that the hope of, the gain, of their gains was gone that they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers and brought them to the magistrate saying, these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude, we're talking just a couple men here, and all of a sudden we're reading about a multitude of people rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. You see, these people were content to entertain and be entertained by demons as long as they were useful and they benefited them in some way. 
They were fine with these demons being around. They were fine with using these demons because they felt as though they had finally tamed them enough that they were able to benefit, that they were able to use them in some way. This man in the tombs, they could put chains and fetters, and they say he just broke them. He just snapped them off. There were men that probably thought they could gain from that. There's a man of unbelievable strength. Think if we could tame him. Think of the money. Think of the gains that we could get by using this man and his demons. Be careful that success does not turn into greed. Greed which leads us to cross lines as long as it benefits us in some way. It always starts small. You see, God, because God can do more with what you have in his name than what we can try to do in our whole lifetime in our own name. You see, well, I'm, I'm willing to look the other way one time if it will benefit me, but the next time you turn around, you're climbing the corporate ladder, picking up strays all along the way. Things that you take home that become yours. But in both stories that we read, both of these similar stories, the people wanted Jesus, the Savior deliver, the miracle work, and or his apostles, they wanted them gone. Because they were content with living with these demons in their cities. They were okay. They were okay. Especially the ones that thought they were going to gain from it in some way. Because they, they thought we, we, can, we can benefit from them. But it's a sad day when people love their demons more than they love their God. But we're all guilty of it. When we choose sin over obedience. We do the very same thing. When we know it's wrong and we do it anyways. And eventually we do it so many times and so many things that we don't even remember what was right to begin with. You know that old stray dog, Roscoe, we picked up. After 12 years, you'd die for that dog. He's family. You, you didn't know anything about him when you picked him up that first day. But you gave him a name. You started feeding them. You started taking care of them. And that dog that you would have passed by if it hadn't have been for somebody else, the next thing you know, he's family. Can't let go of him. I'll, I'll fight for that dog. I'll, I'll, you know, because after so long of entertaining yourself with your pet snake, you start to sleep with it like they belong there, like they're family. But that snake's nature never changes. The nature of a snake never changes. You can feed it rabbits. You can pet it. You can make it friendly. You can put it in your bed. But the nature of that snake never changes. You can change and you can feel and you can give it a name and you can, but that snake never changes. Its nature never changes. And when you, and when you least expect it, that secret sin, that demon that you believe you had domesticated, that you had control of, will begin to size you up with the intentions of swallowing you whole. That line you're walking down the street like a puppy will turn on you. Heed the warning signs when what you're walking begins to attack those around you because a lion's nature doesn't change. He's a lion. He wasn't meant to be a pet. He wasn't meant to be tamed. His nature is, is to kill his nature is to make sure that he has food. And when those demons, those demons were allowed to enter into those swine with weaker minds, when they were allowed to, to go into those swine, then we get to see the true nature of the beast. Because the moment they entered those swine, they turned and they ran off a cliff and they killed themselves. Once again, that shows 
the nature of demons. The nature of a demon is to kill, steal, and destroy. You can name it what you want to. You can take it home with you. You can get in bed with it. But its nature never changes. Spirit, there are spirits in our world that their only intention are to kill you, to steal from you, and destroy you. They'll do it as slowly as it takes. They'll let you think you're in control. The whole while, it's just a rehearsal. They're just rehearsing. They're just sizing you up, wanting to see exactly what it's going to take to take you out. The whole while, you think you're in control. I got a tiger by the tail. I'm I'm in charge. I I got this. But let us not be as the the Gadarenes who love their pigs above their Savior who loved earthly gain over eternal salvation. Let us call sin for what it is. And if it means we can't sleep at night because of the conviction of sin that grips our heart, let it be so. At least if we're sickened by it, 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 it there's an opportunity for transformation there. If the musicians want to come, I, I, I'm closing. I end tonight with the same words that Paul used as he closed out his letter to Ephesus. Ephesians 6 Verse 10, he said, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Most of you can quote it. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. That doesn't sound like somebody preparing to go tame something, does it to you? That sounds like somebody preparing for a fight. That sounds like somebody getting ready for war, getting ready for battle. He said, put on all your armor and get ready to withstand. Get ready to stand because you're about to have to fight. It's time we realize that spiritual warfare is a real thing, that we need to be fighting, that we need to be casting out spiritual wickedness, not taming it. It's time we start fighting it, not trying to domesticate it, not sleeping with it, not entertaining it, but fighting it because we don't need spirits in our life. We don't need things in our life that are trying to destroy us, that are trying to devour us, that are trying to pull us down. Those are not things that we need in our life. If we could stand this evening, I, I realize, I, I realize I'm, I'm not so oblivious as to realize that this is not an exciting rally message, but I hope that something will penetrate our hearts tonight. I don't want my generation to be the end of generation where we lose true repentance at an altar during a service. Because the altar used to be a place that people ran to because they needed Jesus more than they needed anything else in this world. We can't let this become a place where we just gather after church to dismiss. It needs to be something that we and we run to, that we flee. Right now, I wish we could, I wish we could find a place. I wish somebody would be willing to flood this altar that would be willing to come up and fall on your face before God. I realize we've already worshipped. I realize we've had a great altar call. I realize this, our culture and our altar calls have changed a little bit. I remember when altar call service lasted longer than the rest of this, all, the whole service combined. But it was because people didn't want to leave the same way they came. But when we become so comfortable 
with the things that we've domesticated. We bring them in and we walk them out. But why not come and leave it at an altar? Why not come and find a place and say, God, I've been leading this around. This thing's been laying in bed with me and I don't need it anymore. I don't want this in my life. I don't want this to destroy me. God, search our heart tonight. Is there anyone here that wants to leave change tonight? Is there anyone that wants to leave different than the way they came? Why don't you find a place to pray? Why don't we pray tonight? Reach out. Call on Jesus. Jesus is the answer. God, we need you tonight. Jesus, search us. God, I pray that something would penetrate our hearts tonight. Jesus, God, 